Welcome to episode 40 of Cyclops is Waiting for Me, an X-Men, the animated series weekly recap podcast. I'm Rod. Welcome to part two of Sanctuary slash Asteroid M, not really Asteroid M. I'm JC, and Rod is skipping to later in the script, so <laughs> thanks for that, Rod. Cyclops is Waiting for Me is our weekly podcast series. We're going back and watching every single episode of the original 1992 X-Men, the animated series, and their original intended script order as we build up to the release of X-Men 97, which is coming to Disney Plus in the latter part of 2023, which means after we get through the end of the series, we're going to have to do a different series like X-Men Evolution or Wolverine and the X-Men or that anime that's on Netflix. I've seen the anime, so I'm excited about seeing that. I actually have the DVDs of that. I haven't seen the other ones, Evolution or Wolverine. So I know Wolverine's supposed to be good. I've, I've heard people say Evolution is. so Yeah. yeah. That's the one with the goth rogue, right? Yes, it has goth rogue. Okay. That'll be interesting for yep. me because I still have this rogue seared into my my head. I'm open to other iterations. You really don't have a choice because we're not going to not post yeah. for six months. <laughs> Wait, you just want to take like a half year break? No. Okay. Anyway, so so quick, quick, some swick, quick reminders. <laughs> Rod, we, <laughs> Rod's drunk. Yeah. Coffee and a Pepsi Zero here. So we're a recap show about a series that came out 27 years ago. There will be spoilers. If you don't want to spoil it for you, pause the podcast, watch the episode, and come back. We'll do our best to avoid mentioning anything about future episodes we haven't covered yet. Hopefully, you've at least watched the last episode. This is part two. We're currently not sponsored by or affiliated with Disney or Disney Plus in any way, but hey, they have the episodes in order now, so they have that going for them. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Cyclops IWFM Pod on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook. And of course, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast services. Finally, we record these episodes in batches, so if we're reacting to any news about the upcoming series, we will be behind. <laughs> Literally, that's all we got. Yeah, just I guess there was a follow-up post from Ryan Reynolds about Wolverine and Hugh Jackman but it was just basically hearing wake me up before you go go by wham <laughs> you literally could have said that on the last episode right you didn't have to save that to be another week later in real time I'm trying to spread the news <laughs> anyway now onto the show oh. today we're going to be talking about season four episode four titled sanctuary part two it aired on October 28th, 1995, and currently sits at a 7.8 star rating on IMDb. It went it went up uh, compared to the previous episode. Interesting. I yeah. guess there's resolution in this one. I don't know. There were fewer cameos? Yeah, that's true. We didn't have the Italian mutant? There you go. So this episode picks up just like the moment that the last episode left off at, which is interesting because sometimes these shows we've seen in the past, they'll actually recreate part of the last episode, like slightly different, but this one literally that moment so it's the x-men running away from every other literally every other mutant on asteroid m yeah because because the impression in in case for some reason you're starting on this episode and didn't watch the previous one which is a weird choice but we'll respect it (laughs) is that you know they think that it was actually gambit beast and xavier who jettisoned magneto's quarters and as an escape pod Mm -hmm. yeah which I yeah. love not only to not question that, but also not a single one of those mutants, considering you have almost every mutant on Earth, or at least a good portion of them. You have some. On the asteroid that didn't like just do the math of like, okay, so we have a psychic, a hairy blue guy, and a guy who can charge cards. Or we have a person that we know can power, depower Magneto. Which was the more likely situation that happened? <laughs> and, not- a, and, and ironically, a lot of them view Magneto as their savior too. So it's not like... Cortez has been their leader or something like that. Anyway, so as a running away, Beast quotes, feet don't fail me now, which we had to do a little research on. We found out it was a black actor from the 20s named, it's spelled S-T-E-P-I-N, but it's pronounced Stephen Fetchett, who said it in a lot of his movies where he was running away from cops. So I'm not sure of the entire context of 
of all that, but it seems like at least come from like racial tension in that era. Yeah, or or even just the the whole idea of of being blamed for something that you were not actually guilty yeah. of in any way, and then like running from the officials. because yeah. I had I had heard that that phrase but i want to say the first time i had heard it was probably like a looney tunes or something like that because yeah. I, I i unfortunately don't know the works of like 1920s movies <laughs> so, and yeah. such but i've heard the phrase before and it stood out to me mm-hmm. so we did a little bit of digging and then it's like, it's like you talk about sophisticated writing with deep cuts yeah i think a 1920s actor who said this with this kind of connotation is the deepest of cuts that, that we've seen at least so far in known about aside from like Shakespeare and shit. Yeah. And this is a kind of a cool reference or at least a little like mini lesson because me personally, I wish I could remember the TikTok channel, but it's TikTok. So nobody remember, remembers specific accounts, but there's one specific. Certainly account. not Cyclops IWFM right, pod. Yeah. <laughs> but there's this one count that I come across a lot where they teach things that we see innocently in everyday phrases now that, that actually have roots and like they're almost always racist. They, yeah, there, there, there's a phrase that I used to say uh-huh. that I never had any indication had a racial undertone to it, and I've stopped saying it from from my daily life yeah. because of learning about stuff like that. So they're running away from the they're running away from the rest of the mutants on Asteroid Dam. They get to the ast- human astronauts that are there, and they're like, "No time to explain. Come with us if you want to live." <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is straight up a "Come with us if you want to live" moment. So Gambit offers the hold everyone off while they escape beast says like we might not be able to come back get get you and gambit's like well i guess i'll be the first mutant in space like, yeah be what? the first x-men in orbit <laughs> it's like oh because <laughs> i mean they've already been in space That's true, this yeah. would just be him being jettisoned floating around yeah. the earth as a corpse so the rest of the x-men get away while gambit's like kind of doing his best to hold everyone else off but amelia turns into mist and this is when i learn what her powers are she turns into <laughs> mist and then like disarms gambit they do catch up with the x-men Beast sees them. He's like, well, Gambit's not with them, but it's too late. So they, they close the airlock and they get the fuck out of there. Yep. We see like this master shot of outer space. And for whatever reason, Asteroid M is like a PNG cutout just like floating across the frame. <laughs> that is not how explain, animation works, Rod. I don't explain it. It's just, it's just like a very, it's like one static image over a static background that's just like sliding across the screen. We're going to blame Saban for that okay, one. Yeah. But Man. you do get the psychic connection between charles and magneto like lets him know he's like i'm alive yeah he, he clearly says i live yeah the only two words he says with emphasis as well i have some commentary about this later <laughs> not too long from now like a few points from now i think it's funny that like magneto goes out of his way in his kind of not dying words but like last communication xavier to let him know that he's alive specifically yeah it's not, it's not like the spirit of my revolution he's like no no i'm alive yeah <laughs> and so then we're back on earth we see rogue that's at like whether the this control space control center or whatever and she sees she knows the protocol she's like oh they're all getting ready for a crash landing yeah and she sees the the shuttle on its way back down to earth and tries to stop it she doesn't quite like well, it's literally too hot for her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is funny, like that, of all of her sh- I, you know, you never consider like some of these basically Superman power sets and stuff. Right. Like, what do you feel in that? Like, I'm sure it's like not painless, but like, so for her, it's like, maybe it's a little bit strenuous, but it was the heat. She's like, yeah. oh, it's still hot. Also, wears gloves. Those gloves definitely wouldn't survive <laughs> that. They would have literally just melted Burnt off, off of her hands. Yeah. But she does like slow down enough so that it crash lands safely so people are alive when they it did they land. bounce though i just want to point yeah. out like if you look at the animation it physically bounced as it hit the ground it's a rubber spaceship <laughs> that's how that's how we're gonna get back from mars right yeah <laughs> and rogue 
immediately just starts tearing into it like a tin can. Yeah, she rips the door off. <laughs> like, where's Gambit? She's just fuck all for anybody else on that shuttle. She's yeah. looking for Gambit. I can't tell if she's just like, she misses him and like is, is worried for his life or is just wanting to make sure he's not banging some space chick. If there was an X-Men who was going to try to get laid on a crashing ship, it would be him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't agree with your thought process, Rod, but I can't say it's not a hundred percent invalid. <laughs> because she's just she's like, Where's Gambit? Where's Gambit? It's like, no, what? Anyway. No. And Xavier tells Rogue, well, he's still on the asteroid. And <laughs> Rogue interrupts, he's like, I knew it, I knew it. He was trying to like leave and abandon us or whatever. And then Xavier's like, No, no, he sacrificed himself so we get here, which is a horrible way to tell someone that, like, because he's still alive. Yeah. It's like, have uh, you ever seen that joke where someone posts, like, Susan and I are no longer dating, and then it's like, Susan comments, like, Steve, that's a terrible way to tell people we got married. Like, <laughs> no, I haven't, but that's amazing. It's like a similar energy. It's like, yeah, he sacrificed himself so we could make it to the ship. It's like, sacrifice? He's like, no, no, he's still alive. Yeah, it's like, it's like you could say, he stayed behind. And especially Xavier, who's, you know, he's able to, like, psychically tell that he's still alive, too. Right, but we also know Xavier is awful with social cues. That's true. And the only thing missing here is Cyclops yelling at somebody. They make up for it later. And then Rogue is like, well, we got to go back and get him then. And Xavier's like, well, I'll have to wait a few hours. I got to go speak to the president. I love that this dude could literally just launch himself back into space and like in a few hours. Yeah. (laughs) That's aggressive. And this is one of those times where like I can actually see both sides of this. Rogue is like, well, if we don't know how long he's going to survive, we should go now. But at the same time, we do have like the leader, the world leaders. They're all pointing all their weapons of mass destruction and stuff into outer space. So it's like fair enough. We could go like at least let them know what's going on so we have a chance. Back on the asteroid, Cortez has the Genosian collar on Gambit and is presenting him to the other mutants as the traitor. The other mutants, like the mob of mutants are like, kill him, kill him. And Cortez says that he wants to keep him alive long enough to convince him to join them. Which I don't necessarily understand Cortez's motivation of why you would see that as a win. Yeah. Because then you're just welcoming a traitor into your mist as, yeah. as your best case scenario. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I could think of was that he, maybe this was a thing to show that he's like a little too chicken shit to be a leader, you know, like he's not going to just like off somebody. I, but I, I, don't do, I don't know. I I get the impression that he would, like he literally offed Magneto. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. There, there's a little <laughs> bit of confusion with his motivation there, but you know. Yeah. Plot point. And then back on Earth, even though everything's urgent, they need to meet with the president or whatever, the X-Men take the time to have a funeral for Magneto. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we see Wolverine has joined them at this point. Yeah. Moment. Professor Xavier gives this really weird eulogy, which, you know, I'll actually a- a- appreciate a little bit because I'm always a little like conflicted, you know, when you're at like eulogies or funerals or whatever, because you know everyone always has only good things to say about someone. And, you know, fair enough. Respect Not me. You're a... <laughs> I will give some yeah. some some roast during a eulogy yeah, if I need to, sir. But you know, fair enough because you're respecting the dead or whatever. But like, not everyone was a saint. It's statistically, most people aren't. And so it's just interesting. Specifically in this case, where like, even though he may have had noble intentions in the general broad aspect, he's directly been a problem for the X Men and like humanity. Yeah, and try to end multiple people's lives. But Professor Xavier kind of acknowledges that. He's like, yeah, I've abhorred his methods. Yep. <laughs> but respect to the man, like, okay, cool. Kind of, a, at least an honest eulogy. But in this, we see flashbacks of Magneto's origin. Yeah, they, from- they refer to it as the tragic past. And, and yeah. that's the first time 
though it doesn't go as far as saying Germany, it does not show a swastika or specifically a German soldier. It is so heavily implied that right. this is, and this is the first time we've gotten that far with it within yeah. the the context of this series. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like if if you're even vaguely aware of like world history at that point, like you recognize what they were showing. Yeah, he also says I tried to help him. You know, I failed. He takes a little bit of responsibility himself that he couldn't turn Magneto around. You know, he basically wants to spare future generations from having to go through this cycle of violence that he and Magneto had to live through. Mm-hmm. And they both had like differing views on like how that could play out, which, you know, fair enough. Nobody can tell the future here yet. Right. Then back on the asteroid, Cortez has Gambit back his quarters and is torturing Gambit to quote unquote confess about sending Magneto into space. And Amelia arrives just in time to see all this happening and stops him from hurting Gambit more. What's funny to me is he's saying you need to confess. And it's like the argument isn't you need to confess. It's just take the blame because I'm not going to let you like it's it needs to be more bargaining yeah. rather than confess like he yeah. like Gambit knows that Cortez released him. Yeah. So it's like I don't need to confess because I literally didn't do this. So again, I think Cortez is just unhinged. Yeah. And that's why like certain certain aspects of logic don't exist for this character because he's already just so like he's Magneto on Magneto's worst day. Yeah. And he actually at this point he's kind of trying to like mass gaslight everyone yeah back to like even himself to your point he's one of those I, i've known a few people like this who once they hear the words whether they know they're true or not that's like a good enough completion right of status for them so like it so it might even be for him it's like if gambit says he did it then it's off his con it's cortez's conscience too because yeah because yeah, obviously all the mutants already believe that it was gambit so you know how much more is that going to add <laughs> yeah you could deny it all you want, but he's like, I'm, you you want the false confession because that makes you feel less guilty or yeah. something. <laughs> so then Cortez leaves and broadcasts to Earth. So there's a lot of cameos here. I I didn't. I don't think I recognize anyone. I thought I'd seen the ancient one, but I'm so, not too familiar. So we have three cameos at this okay. point. As Cortez is giving his speech to the leaders of, of Earth, you see that X Factor is watching. Mm-hmm. The one who I think you're assuming is the ancient one is actually Gideon, who is an X-Men known character. And then there's a woman and it looks kind of like an Egyptian. The character's name is Haven. I don't know a lot about her. Okay. If she's been in the comics recently, it hasn't been in the issues I've been reading, mm-hmm. but she was actually a fairly new one for me. I think it was very similar to, you know, back in an earlier season where there was like the Senate committee hearing and you saw like a uh, GW Brig and, oh, yeah. and War Machine. I think it was just, let's just, add in more flavor to this world kind yeah. of scenario. This is nice, like, like, you know, kind of forethought, like, yeah, oh, yes, not all the superheroes are just European and American. <laughs> right. the, the last one we see watching in this, like, montage is the president, you know, President Kelly is watching, and I love this. I, I This had to have been on purpose. He calls Cortez a tin horn dick tater. I was like, that had to have been, because that was, that's the kind of thing you pull in, like, the 90s on Fox Kids, like when the Animaniacs had not actual prints, but they animated prints into the episode. And they were like, oh, fingerprints. He's like, nah, you know, like adult jokes like that. I see. I totally didn't get that. Oh, really? I, <laughs> I, I got it more on like the way that that Kelly talks. It was very much that like, you know, Kennedy vibe. Okay, that, yeah. And Kennedy always had really interesting emphasis on his phrasing. Yeah. So I got it as like a bad Kennedy impression yeah, rather yeah. than. I could see that, though. Yeah. yeah. It was just funny because in at least me it, well it was the emphasis and then maybe i just wrote this in my head there's like that little pause like that tin horn dick tater <laughs> yeah but essentially he's basically saying like he, 
everybody on Earth needs to fuck off. Mm-hmm. Just let the mutants live in peace or we're going to retaliate. Yeah. And, and of course, Denosha pushes back on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because the president is in uh, presumably the White House and then all the other U.N. leaders are like on monitors behind him. Which is also weird because you have like U.N. representatives as opposed to other presidents. That, yeah. Yeah, because like the president isn't going to address address the U.N. It's usually your U.N. representative addresses mm-hmm. the other U.N. I don't know. But I don't know how this world works. Yeah, I don't, I don't know and, politics. But all the <laughs> world leaders kind of unanimously agree that they want to attack. But Xavier says, like, we should still try to talk to him, which I feel like Xavier has, like, less of an argument now. Even though we've seen what's been going on all back on Earth, they just, like, it was quiet for a while and then missiles. Yes. You know, so they're like, well, that didn't, obviously didn't work. And then Xavier says, well, it's either we talk to him or it's all out nuclear war. So, you know, take your pick. Back on the asteroid, Cortez is just egging on all the mutants. He's just, it's, it's just more of like the dictator thing. He's just getting everybody all riled up about the, the humans back on Earth. Right. And, and Amelia sees this and she essentially like realizes how foolish it is. It's like he is not he he's doing a more aggressive version of what she complained about Charles. Yeah. Because she was saying, well, you're the reason that we can't live on Earth in peace. And now he is antagonistically going after all of Earth's leaders. So, you know, you already got us off this planet. Where do we go if they blow up this rock? Right. She's like, yeah, we were they, we, we had a chance of being like left alone out yep. here. And now it's no possible way. Right. So she's, she's pissed off at that. So she goes to see Gambit and right. talk to him. And she's like, did you know, is what you're saying true? Did you really not do it? And Gambit is like, you know, not gonna say anything, but have you ever wondered how Cortez got there first when his room is the all the way on the other side of the asteroid furthest away from Magneto's? It's true. <laughs> and it's like, yes. Also, let's think about the power sets, like I said before. <laughs> yeah. And, and at that point, Amelia also kind of hints that other acolytes are in doubt of mm-hmm. Cortez already as well. It's not just her by herself. That because powers aside just as a person just seeing how this man has acted in public he's like that's enough to set off a few red flags or at least some warning signs you know yeah and i mean they've only been up here for like a day like a day yeah Yeah. (laughs) like like this isn't the scientists who've been up there and have been getting stuff going this is literally like you guys haven't even gone to bed yet probably and And he's already starting like you know, a possible nuclear war with the planet. Yeah. But this isn't nuclear war with a country. He's starting nuclear war with a planet. planet. <laughs> and they're, they're pretty close to, too, like in proximity. Yeah, like, yeah. They're, they're not like in another galaxy. They're like no, within blast range. They're closer than the moon is, yeah. is how I got the impression <laughs> of distance, because it's circling Earth's atmosphere. It's mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, it's definitely not past the moon. Maybe at, maybe at best it's the same distance as the moon, but yeah. it's not too far off. Yeah. So anyway, so he, he's not thinking about any of this. Amelia, it's enough for her to like look into it. So then she, whatever you call it, smokes, myths or whatever, into like another like secure part of the building to go look for information. Right. Then we see the Blackbird is heading towards the asteroid. Yep. X is, Professor Xavier's in like a cyber suit or something. Yep. So that suit was first seen in the crossover event that was called Fatal Attractions. Okay. So Fatal Attractions, for those of you who don't know, it is Shi'ar tech that is that is okay. consistent but in that one it's very much the like shit's about to get really real between wolverine and magneto there's an infamous scene where in that series they rip the adamantium off of wolverine's bones Ooh, yeah. it's 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 truly like it's a memorable moment mm-hmm. not necessarily a good kind of memory yeah. that's where professor x wore that suit for the first time in the comics i was wondering about that because i was like 
in this in this episode specifically like it doesn't really pay off specifically other than it's like another outfit it it's an outfit that gives him the ability to walk yeah that oh, okay. it, it, but it's, he doesn't do that in this episode. he doesn't he doesn't end up needing to but yeah. he that is what it essentially does is it gives him use of his legs and wolverine is also in a different outfit it's like a black and purple mm-hmm. outfit yeah and also rogue is in a different outfit yes too so the suits that we're seeing there were actually tied to the toy line and there were figures that had light up functionality and those were their yeah. outfits that were there at least according to yeah. what i could find online really what's interesting so. is years later you would see that version of wolverine's suit again when wolverine was a part of x-force mm-hmm. when it was the rick remender run of x-force okay. where the entire team was a black gray white tone to their outfits gotcha yeah much like that with the 2000s x-men movies <laughs> no <laughs> no no this, no no when i say like it was liter- it wasn't like the leather it was yeah, like just gray tones and spandex. stuff like that yeah gotcha yeah actually a deadpool figure that's up on oh, the yeah. shelf over there yeah, i'll take a picture of that we need more instagram fodder that was from that era is that the one that deadpool's wearing in ryan reynolds announcement of deadpool 3 no the gray deadpool outfit though is a reference to deadpool 2 when oh. he got all grayed out when he was burned but uh-huh. that was a reference to the remender style outfits okay. <laughs> so in essence, no, reference. but yes. Okay. All because of toys. Yeah. <laughs> so why not? Yep. And so the Blackbird is arriving to the asteroid in stealth. Like the asteroid can't tell it's landing. Wolverine cuts a door into the asteroid. Around the same time, Amelia is in the room where I guess they're storing physical copies of the security tapes and sees the one that she's looking for is missing. She's like, that's us. Yes, that is <laughs> That is her reaction. And then we see Beast going into where all the missiles are being stored. And he disarms one and then says, only 249 to go. And I'm like, how long do you think you have? Granted, it didn't take him that long to disarm the one. But that moment times 250 sounds like a lot longer than whatever this like coup they're trying to stage is going to take. I mean... uh you also don't know that somebody's going to launch every missile at once. Yeah, that's you could true. you could you could get lucky. Maybe yeah. you've only disarmed ten, and they you you hit rocket number one, and they're like, "Wait, what the fuck? Why didn't yeah. that that why didn't that go off?" And then it blows up inside <laughs> the asteroid. And then in this montage, we see Cortez in his quarters. He's like watching his own porn of himself or something. Looked like he had like an augmented reality thing where it was him seeing himself in like positions of power. Yeah. It was very much mental masturbation. No yeah. doubt. But I don't I don't think it was full-fledged porn. Yeah, yeah. I, I joke about that because it's like it was mostly like him with Women. models yeah, yeah. yeah, and stuff. And so then we hear what presumably was Amelia calling like a fake emergency and causes him to leave and then she smokes into the room and finds the tape that was missing that she was looking for, and she starts watching it. Cortez arrives where the emergency was called, and he's like, I told you not to call me unless it's an emergency, and dude's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't call didn't anything. Call anything. Yeah. And then he gets suspicious, and he doesn't have enough, he gets like half a second to be suspicious of it, and then Rogue and Wolverine like break into the room and start attacking. Quick note, in that scene when Wolverine pops up, that's the first time he says anything the entire episode. Oh, that's true. Like I was, I was very keenly aware that up until that point, he hadn't said anything. And I wondered if they were going to go to the full episode <laughs> with just him being animated, but not speaking. Yeah. And then after that, he did start speaking. But it was like, literally, they got past the halfway mark. And he had appeared in like three different shots and had not said yeah. a word up to that point. He's just, he's just like, nobody knows my outfit yet. But the first thing he says is, yeah. And I was like, are they just going to use a clip from a previous episode? And then, he, and then he does actually say a brand new phrase and stuff. But I was just yeah. like, 
Okay, that was a choice. <laughs> they spent all the money on the new animation for the toy. Yeah. But they're like, we're not going to have them speak. Yeah. And then and then those two get attacked. More acolytes show up. Yeah. And Cortez says, well, we're going to throw Wolverine and Rogue into space now. My favorite thing is Rogue being hit really hard into a ceiling or a floor. In this oh, case, it's yes. the ceiling. Leaving an and, and a body imprint is left there. <laughs> to just show how strong she is. Like, Because yeah. anybody else, if you were... If you were getting hit into something that is like a metal of that kind like they would splatter right. out rogue dents it because yeah. of how strong her body is it, it would be like the boys in like any character yeah when, pretty when, much. when they land on something he's like yeah back on earth somewhere uh, on a desert we see magneto's like escape pod room or whatever crash landing there's like this energy ghost of magneto i don't know how to describe it yeah like escaping the pod this was a little bit of a jump the shark for me because okay. <laughs> he's reconstituting himself from nothingness essentially yeah there's something is like minor foreshadowing kind of not really spoiler for the very last episode of x-men you say jump the shark these are power sets that i'm like i'm not sure that they have but the writers took like a stretch of liberty in extending because I, I don't think we talked about it before, but Fabian Cortez did mention when he like sucked Magneto's powers back out before he shot the pot into space, something about like you're too weak to even hold your atoms together or something or your molecules together. And I was like, was that something he had to do before, I guess? Or is that just a general rule of physics for all the characters in these universe? It's like a Dr. Manhattan thing. I don't know. Where like you're able to control your molecules. So this, yeah, he's like spread apart, but he's starting to reconstitute himself or whatever. Even in the most recent story, which is going on in the comics, AXE, so Avengers, X-Men, Eternals, mm -hmm. he gets like shot through the chest <laughs> and his he's controlling his own magnetic field to replace his heartbeat, essentially. Oh, shit. That seems more plausible than him reconstituting himself yeah. from just a nothingness magnetic field yeah. to me. Interesting. So, because yeah. it's like, I guess, yeah, magnetism and molecules and atoms, there's something. I'm not a physics guy. There's something there, maybe, but yeah. I don't, anyway, so we just. Like, I know there's iron in our blood, but there's not enough. literally iron in every cell of your body. Yeah. If uh, there is, tell us we're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> All the scientists listening to this podcast. <laughs> Those poor, poor people. <laughs> then back on the asteroid, Cortez is giving like this biblical villain speech. <laughs> Again, there's there's a good number of like little cameos that broadcast out to the world, but I don't know if there's anybody like notable. I feel like at that point, it was people we had already seen. It wasn't yeah. anybody new Bet between the earlier episodes and this one. Yeah. yeah. Is it basically just saying that like there's other people, humans and mutants and stuff that are, are seeing these broadcasts Cortez is putting out from Asteroid M. And then Amelia shows up while he's giving his broadcast with the tape. Yep. And then luckily they had a, v a VCR there and plays it for I everyone. mean, that's his broadcast station. I could totally right. see that being reasonable. Yeah. See, think of it this way. He is broadcasting to the world. Yeah. So he has to have a legit broadcast setup to do that. Well, so, well, so what was funnier to me was not just that he, not that necessarily he had a broadcasting setup, is that this most advanced tech at the time still was just a VCR. I mean, it really was. It really was. <laughs> look, look at control rooms at that time. Yeah. That was accurate, man. It was like, so funny. For context, I didn't buy a DVD until I was a freshman in college. So okay. like literally 2000, 2001 was the first mm -hmm. time I would have bought DVDs. I guess that's fair because I remember my first DVDs were in 1999. And mm -hmm. that may, I may have been accelerated a little bit because at the time in high school, I worked at Walmart in the electronics section. Yeah. And so... There are so few DVDs, you could fit them all in one front-facing wall display. So yep. I think there may have been maybe two dozen max. I remember buying forward. Goodfellas. In Goodfellas, you actually had to turn over the DVD. I remember those, Because yeah. it was too long to fit on a single side. Yeah, and it's still like 480p or something like that. Oh, My first one, I believe, was Prince of Egypt. I'm sorry. 
I, I actually kind of like that movie. Like, but especially the time because in you, you, they were kind of rare to get because they were like thirty or forty bucks. Yeah, they were expensive. Pop. I remember getting that one because I was like, okay, if I'm going to get something, I need something that looks nice, yep. but also that everyone can watch. So it was either like that or the Matrix. I was like, you know what, Grandma, Grandpa, and my mom and dad probably going to watch this Matrix. But the whole family can sit down and watch Prince of Egypt. So anyway, so Amelia shows the yeah, tape yeah, of the, him, <laughs> the security tape of him injecting Magneto's pod. Yeah, and Cortez immediately pulls the fake news. He's like, obviously, this is doctored footage. <laughs> Which know that, know we that. know the Shi'ar can doctor footage, yeah, but even then, I'm not sure if they doctored it. It was just a reenactment, you know. Right. <laughs> but also, even if they had a good editing suite, the VFX at that time not super yeah. convincing. Well, it's like that meme of people saying the moon landing was all CG, and then it shows like asteroids, and it's like the game asteroids is like CG at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. So anyway, luckily the rest of the mutants on board Asteroid M aren't that dumb. Yeah, they all turn on Cortez yeah. pretty quickly. Which <laughs> he starts crying, right? Yeah. I kind of like seeing though because this is how you you want to see things turn out and we've learned in like real world circumstances don't always play out this way. Like people but, don't always yeah. believe real life evidence like in, no. in things, but the mutants do they are like, "All right, clearly this man's insane." Yep. They probably got enough, enough context clues. Like he's been unhinged a few times now. But the chicken shit crying yeah. is great. I love yeah. <laughs> I love the visual of him like, like oh no. Because have we seen a villain actually just like have everything turned on them so hardcore that they start crying? I don't think so. I don't so, think we've yeah. seen that yet. And that kind of goes back to my thing of like, I think he was just a little too chicken shit for some stuff. Right. You know, even though he like ejected Magneto's pod out in the air and, and in space and everything, it's like that might have just been an impulsive just you know, whatever, but he's not quite ready to be any sort of leader, you know? I mean, he sent a missile to Earth. Yeah. <laughs> so he's not thinking things through. Yeah. Speaking of not thinking things through, he his solution for this moment is drop a grenade. Yes. Because that's going to work out in his favor. And then I, none of, neither of us know who this person's name. One of the acolytes. But, but I put like big hand lady. Right. She kind of has what Kamala Khan in current day MCU has. Yeah. It was like a, like a hard light situation. Where yeah, projection. Right. And then Wolverine does what... This is where you knew Wolverine was an original recording for this episode. He makes a comment that she must be a handful on dates. Yeah. And I yelled at the TV. Right. It's, it's both a pun and possibly a sexual reference. Again, Rob and I watch this show in very different ways. I didn't think of that until now. Also, I'm like more aware of it now that John pointed it out so many times. No wonder you grew up loving this show. <laughs> So Cortez has started to run away, but apparently he thought that was going to be his like smoke bomb moment. And, and he runs to the missile control. Yeah, Amelia points out to everyone else like other secondary controls. He, Cortez goes to the secondary controls to try to arm the missiles. Byron tells them that there's still 210 operable. Because there's specifically 16% have been disengaged. Yeah. And, you know, good on Beast. Like he got through like 40 of them in that like short amount of time. Yeah. So Beast is efficient, bro. <laughs> beast is a beast. <laughs> Not going to say that. Gambit shows up in time to stop Byron because Byron wasn't going to immediately do it. He was hesitating, but he wasn't not not going to do it. Well, he starts pushing back and then Cortez basically pulls a gun up. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, Gambit shows up, but he's so we have to remind Gambit's inhibited. He has the Genosian collar on him. Amelia then smokes in, though, and steals the collar remote from Cortez to disarm Gambit's collar. But it's a little too late because the missiles do start launching anyway. Then we cut back to Beast in wherever the missile silos or whatever. Yep. And Beast is like, oh, this is not good. Time to get out of here. And so he he, he leaves. Then we see all the missiles heading towards Earth, which is kind of reminiscent of like, which X-Men movie was that when Magneto kind of did that? Was that the like the whole Cuban Missile Crisis? Thing right, right. But also not too far off from what we just had two episodes ago when we had Sean on because we had oh, that's right. the Omega Red episode. Yeah. 
I mean, granted, it was 12 missiles and yeah. it was it was within the Earth's atmosphere. But yeah. it was just kind of funny because these aired so far apart from each other. Mm-hmm. And that was also the one we talked about was a fill-in episode. That was not yeah. actually originally supposed to be what happened in that episode. So they had yeah. to throw something together quick. So for them to have the two, literally the Blackbird shooting down yeah. missiles, this time just in space, that close to each other, I thought that was kind of like, yeah. not even ironic, it's just funny timing. Yeah, I, I remember about the torpedoes from the submarine, though, it was like, we, we said they were all like buddies, because they all like, like convened on the surface of the ocean. And like, then they good? shot up. You good? You good? All yeah. Right, cool, let's go. Like, is that how torpedoes work? Yes. They all just like... Those were not torpedoes, Rob. <laughs> torpedoes stay underwater. Oh, okay, so they're, they're actually missiles. They were missiles. So the missiles that were all buddies, apparently, college pals. I mean, yes. Just... <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with you saying that non-sentient <laughs> missiles can be friends with each other. I'm not okay with you saying missiles are torpedoes. torpedoes there you go. <laughs> so at all 210 missiles are heading towards Earth. The Blackbird starts trying to shoot some of them down, but it's like too late. Like It's, it's too just many. too many. Then we just see the grand re-entrance of Magneto. He stops all the rest in one fail swoop yells at Cortez and then reveals that the Earth's magnetic field has healed him. This was one of the moments I was like, this is a stretch for me. I mean, it's 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 the same stretch as the ghost Magneto. Yeah, yeah. So, it, well, yeah, I think it's kind of all like tied together of for me. It's like this and then something later with Xavier, which if you have finished this series before, you'll know what I'm talking about. But there's like, I think there's only really for me, those two things, this one and then one at the very end. Right. Like, this is a questionable stretch. I didn't right. know that this was like a possible thing. They basically just took like the Superman recharging from the sun and applied it to Magneto and like the magnetic field, which fair enough, I guess. But to me, that kind of further tethers like Storm and Magneto mutants like that to like Earth because there's like speci- not that they're tied to the Earth, but there's like conditions that make it like the best place for them. Right. And stuff. But or also maybe I didn't think this until just now. Maybe that was part of like Magneto's weakening is that he's like separated himself from the Earth's magnetic field for extended periods of time and he's like exerting himself. But he also flies through it when he goes up from Earth That's true. to it. I don't know. None of us think about this enough. Nope. Rogue and Wolverine go and look for Gambit. Magneto busts into the asteroid, immediately goes for Cortez. Cortez is begging for mercy. Right. Total chicken shit yet again. <laughs> The Blackbird gets away with everyone and Gambit just in time. Rogue is flirting with Gambit and Wolverine gags. <laughs> yep. Xavier tries to get Magneto to go with him. He's like communicating with him telepathically. Magneto says he's going to go down with the ship because that's what a, is he a captain does, I guess, or a leader does. Well, he he needs to see his his dream. Oh, that's right. Yeah. If, if the dream is going to die, he needs to die. see it die. Yeah. Which, which is really sad. It's sad, but also it's another opposite thing from the X-Men because the X-Men are like, we've captured you, Omega Red. Now we're just going to let you go and just hope that you never come back again. Magneto's like, I want to see this thing burn to the ground and be certain it's like done, you know? But he reassures Charles that he'll survive it, which I guess is, I guess, you know, I, I, at first I thought like, well, he was in a weakened state and that doesn't make sense. But if he's been re- recharged to the point of like energy ghosting out of the desert. And destroyed a like right. 210 <laughs> nuclear warheads. So yeah. He, yeah, he's probably like more powerful than he ever was. Right. Then we, we see Asteroid M crash into the ocean. Then we go back to Africa where we see like the Blackbird has landed and everything. And there's another small Black Panther cameo. It was really cool. Also, Mijnari's there again. Oh, yeah, Mijnari's there. I'm pretty sure it's the same animation from the previous episode right. because it's just Black Panther in a different, it's like they reversed the cell. <laughs> yeah. And he's just watching. He's not he's even just interacting checking it out. <laughs> he's not a mutant. He's just making sure they're not fucking up Africa. Yeah. And then they choose another angle to show that Amelia has still has a major wedgie. At that point, though, Xavier basically is like, you know, you could come back with us. And Amelia is like, no, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> like, just because Magneto, his idea didn't work. 
She needs, she's like, I need a dream of my own. I followed you, it didn't work. I followed Magneto, it didn't work. I need my own shit right now. That That is you know, fair, like she's learned her lesson. I recently saw a movie, it doesn't even matter which one, and I also don't want to spoil it for anybody that's gonna go see it. But they basically say like, you know, don't worry about my story, go write your own damn story, you know? And it's like, fair, you know, you had a specific thing, you want to be left alone or whatever, no one else is gonna decide, like, get that for you more right. than yourself so yeah and, and then we get a we get a little bit of cliffhanger at the ending it, which in current times would have been like an after credits thing but yes. since they're like humane in the 90s with this kind of stuff they just put it right there before the credits so i think a part of that is the way that tv was structured especially for syndication and such mm -hmm. you knew there was always a shot of like your screen getting shrunk in half yes and that's where like local news or the local coming soon would pop yeah. up so unlike what we could do in Disney Plus, where it's like, you don't have skip credits until after the post credit has actually mm -hmm. appeared. There would have been chances that people wouldn't have been able to watch it. Yeah. And then you're literally ruining a moment for people just because it was it was linear TV yeah. and there was no larger control set up at the time. To anyone not old enough to remember, I think the closest thing you can hearken it to is like when you're watching Disney Plus or Netflix or something and the credits roll and there's clearly no after credits and you see it shrink down into like a menu screen. Imagine that, but like way more janky. Like they'll physically distort. <laughs> the credits. I remember a lot of it was they shrink it in half vertically. So it'd be two squashed things side by side. And like you said, the news would be like, tonight on the news, will orange juice kill you? Find out at 11, you know? Like, uh, the answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so this, what would have been a post credit scene is you see Cortez wakes up. He survived apparently, which bad on Magneto. He went, he went to see his dream die, but he didn't make sure that motherfucker didn't, you know. Well, Magneto is trying to not be a killer anymore. Right. But in his knowledge, like he didn't see, he let that loose end like happen. You know, like he, this guy that like had started a coup against- He him. has been influenced way too much by like Xavier. Xavier. <laughs> he didn't get the peace part. He just got to let the other guy go. Yeah. We see Cortez wake up in like a med ward or whatever. Yep. And he's like, where am I? And then we see that it's Apocalypse has saved him. And then Deathbird, I didn't know they were associated. Up until this point, one, we haven't even heard Deathbird's name. Yeah, we, just, we just saw her in like one. We saw her in a flashback with the Ken. Mm -hmm. But yeah, up until this point, this is a brand new revelation. Yeah. Right? So that's interesting to me because I know Deathbird from the video games and then a couple of references from the show. You know, but, the video games, which are hardcore on story content. Right. Yeah. So in my head, I don't see the connect between Apocalypse and Deathbird, Shi'ar, so, you know, any of that stuff. So this is super interesting to me. But yeah, that's the, the cliffhanger's like, dun, dun, dun. But like I said, I, I did some digging. Literally from this episode, aside from the list of cameos of people who had appeared in the previous episode. Mm -hmm. The only other notes were those outfits being tied to the action figures. <laughs> there was nothing else that we hadn't said in our last episode. Yeah, and, and what's funny enough is those, they didn't address the outfits in the show itself to be of any function or reasoning nope. or anything. They just were like, well, uh, you know, if we're gonna go to space a second time, we can't show up in the same outfits again. But I do appreciate the fact that the outfit actually shows up in the show mm -hmm. before or around the same time as the toy line because yes. if you remember with batman the animated series they would just have free suit batman and he would be like all like you know like pastel blue and, mm -hmm. and white themed and such but he would never actually wear that in the show oh yeah like that was like one of the big sins of toys in the 90s is they would make this alternate outfit that never appeared in the cartoon and it was purely to sell another version of Batman or another version of Michelangelo. Yeah, I was going to say the, the other big perpetrator of that was the Teenage Mutant Turtles. Turtles were the, were 
awful about they, it. They did like Universal Monsters. They did. Well, that um, wasn't even until later, but they would yeah. do just like here's here's Michelangelo in a Hawaiian shirt. I was gonna say they did like a whole like just beachwear thing yep. and stuff. It, it was just like what what do you can who somebody in the room? What can you think of like a, a Kitchen Time, <laughs> Ninja yep. Turtles? You know, like whatever. Even the Ghostbusters. Remember that? Like they'd have various versions of them too. They in the Ghostbusters especially they had ghosts that did not appear in the show. Yeah. Which is weird because they had tons and tons of ghosts in the show to use as reference material. But Ghostbusters did get a payoff, you know, decades later in the most recent Ghostbusters. There is a ghost that is particularly inspired by the action figure Ghostbusters. Yeah. It's awesome. It's cool. But yeah, that, that that was an era. It was like worse. I mean, you could see why, you know, regulation stopped it. But on the flip side of that, it did create a lot of good memories for kids like us because I do remember those Batman toys even though you know, as an adult you think like it's kind of bullshit it never appeared on the show I remember me and my brother we still enjoyed them all the same We're see like, I was never big on it I, oh, really? I, I would always want like I also wasn't buying the Batman animated series uh-huh. figures but you know I didn't like the alternate version of the character if it didn't actually exist somewhere oh gotcha yeah yeah I just remember, like, my, my brother especially was a Batman guy. Right. So he just, he was all about, like, any suit or whatever. Even if it was a different act. Remember when they, you, it wouldn't even be a different suit? It would just be a different action. Or even a different accessory. They usually yes. did something subtle with the outfit that it wasn't a one-to-one, but yeah. I, I totally yeah. fell for this, too, especially with Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter action figures. The ones that were action figures or the ones that were G.I. Joe's? The G.I. Joe's yes. that were repurposed. Because not only were they repurposed G.I. Joe's, but then they would, like, just repurpose them even more. Be like, this is the movie version of Scorpion. Or the movie version of Blanca or whatever. And it, like Blanca, I think, might have been the worst one because he was the same action figure in a slightly different tint. And then they had this like little like plastic case thing that was supposed to be the tank that he was in in the movie. But it's funny because I remember such great memories as a kid. You're like, cool, he comes with a mutant tank, but it's like a soft plastic like blister pack thing. And I, th- I think of that as an adult. I'm like, wow, that was a ripoff. But as a kid, I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. You know, and my poor parents were probably like, why are we buying this for a fourth time? <laughs> So action figures. Yeah, that was what was fun about this episode. Action figures. Yeah. Also, there are a bunch of the Hasbro Pulse figures. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because they have the ones in the VHS set, which is the one that I'm collecting. And then they also have ones that are obviously inspired by this era of show, comics, etc. That are in the classic style, like blister packs. But a little bit bigger. Yeah, their scale's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. But I'm also like... I. I, I can't do all of it. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, I placed my bets on the VHS set. And it's just cool packaging, too, yeah. and stuff. So. Yeah, it's great. I love having a toy that sits in a cardboard box <laughs> that I don't open. Well, I have my Wolverine one that you have. You do. Open, so. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks for joining us. If you have any thoughts, make sure to drop them in the comments for either the YouTube upload or official Instagram post about this episode. If you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on the podcast after you're choosing. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and CastBox. Thank you. Thank you.